When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you? How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Christopher Bruffett. Chris, how's it going? Jesse, everything's wonderful. How are you, man? Things are getting better for me, slowing down. Still tired? So tired. (laughs) No sleep. (laughs) It's going to be like this for a while. I've started mastering the editing with one arm. Ooh, like nice. my mouse, my mouse hand, and I just uh-huh. reach over across the keyboard, spacebar, delete, mm-hmm. things like that. It takes a little more time to edit, so we'll just we'll get you playing video games with one hand here. Yeah, actually, that'd be she can just hang out with you while, yeah. while you're playing video games. She really likes being held. So that's good. That helps her sleep, which is great. But yeah, things are going. I'm really happy we're still keeping up with the podcast. As we talked with you guys on the show, like we've still been consistent weekly. It just hasn't been the same release day every week, and that will level out eventually yeah chris's job is fully settled and you know you can do more yeah and things with me get settled and i can do more And because uh, right now it's like you know i went back to work too so i'm working take care of the baby all night so my wife can sleep and then we take a shift change and yep it's just it's the way of things <laughs> of course in classic fury's finest fashion we recorded venom and then hours later we got major spoilers for the game. So much big news. <laughs> and we have to talk about it a, a little bit late, but yeah. we are here to talk about it. That's right. So Gamma happened and Atomic Mass revealed a lot of things at Gamma. I'm sure they'll continue to reveal more things. And knowing our like Chris, you know, there's probably stuff we're going to miss. And you guys might be listening to this now and be like, what about this thing? But let's just start with some of the things they announced at Gamma. Punisher, Frank Castle, and Taskmaster character pack. Very excited, mostly about Taskmaster. I figured you would be. He's just such a jerk. And Punisher, we were talking about that. Yeah, and we were talking about that. That's how it works. We've got an insider in uh, Atomic Mass, don't you know? (laughs) I am just kidding for everyone. We do not. No, we do not. It's not a shock to see them. It is interesting to see them at this given time. I'm excited, Chris, because I do not know much of anything about taskmaster obviously i know you know his appearance his powers i say powers in quotes things like that but i'm excited to learn about him too oh yeah we're gonna learn all about him that's yeah. gonna be fun and then punisher of course you can't escape him he's been around a long time i mean is there gonna be a Frankencastle variant are you aware of what this is no but i'm interested the, the punisher for a short while was a frankenstein-esque monster frankenstein's monster-esque Okay, uh, guy. Get he was interest. undead. He was raised from the dead, and he was defending everyone underground in the underground sewers of New York City. All the the monsters and the freaks and everything. He was kind of their champion down there for a okay. little while. It was written by Rick Remender. It was really cool. Yeah, and Chris, I only heard recently about Punisher getting Ghost Rider's powers, which I'm very interested in too. I don't know anything about that. Well, you should also look into Cosmic Ghost Rider too. You might like that. Okay. 
done. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the Ghost Rider story. It's interesting. It's fun. The fantasy's fun. Cannot wait till Ghost Rider in this game. That large base with motorcycle. Somebody on one of those Shapeways websites start working on a Nicolas Cage sculpt. So, <laughs> so we're going to have an alt sculpt out there. Also, other news at Gamma, Doctor Strange and Wong were fully revealed. We've seen pictures of them. You know, they were revealed, which was exciting. But now we know some interesting things, Chris, about Strange and Wong. They're a new affiliation. And this is the part that I think threw everyone. No one thought that this would be the new affiliation. And that's the Defenders with these two guys. It's interesting. I'm going to have to do some research and figure out what iteration of the Defenders they're going with here. What time period. Because, of course, when we, when we say Defenders, we think Luke Cage, Iron Fist, yeah. Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Punisher. We think of those guys. We don't necessarily think of the 70s defenders i think not at all if i want to say valkyrie our next episode was actually a main mainstay in the defenders in the 70s or 80s well that's great you mentioned that chris on this ad for the expansion it says introduces a new team affiliation the defenders to the game opening up new squad building options for the hulk spider-man hawkeye valkyrie and other characters this is interesting we're getting maybe even more double dipping in this game which is very yeah, exciting it's to me. gonna be interesting the hawkeyes the valkyries the hulks of the world spider-man finally has a home now we still don't have miles and gwen so spider-man will finally have an affiliation okay this is cool i was not expecting this at all right certainly not expecting this with the mystic arts guys like that's what's interesting maybe Atomic Masters took the high road and we're like, we don't really have enough representation in the like full Mystic Arts type affiliation. Maybe they just didn't go that route at all intentionally because, you know, we are making a game here. We are making systems. Well, and you don't necessarily want to just group all your Mystics together and say that's no, an affiliation. No. You want to spread them out through other affiliations anyway. You, you don't want to do all or nothing when it comes to that. Right. I think a lot of people will be like, upset maybe that strange is not getting his leadership because that's really what i think people were thinking is he would be the leader and all this type of stuff but i guarantee it's going to be represented on his card so very exciting wong and dr strange now let's move on to thing i'm most excited about is of course we got more information on green goblin and it's been confirmed as norman osborne i mean look at this sculpt chris it's the traditional green goblin through and through phenomenal but let's read some of his key selling points. Is it madness or genius? The Green Goblin is a highly volatile character that brings a new affiliation to the game, Spider Foes. Now, this is interesting. I really thought, you know, I've been talking about the Sinister Six for a little bit. We both have, yeah. And I think this is a great way to fit in the entire Spider-Man rogues gallery yes. without necessarily defiling the Sinister Six name, without leaving certain ones out because it doesn't fit canonically. And the Sinister Six has changed over the years. Different members. Oh, it's been the Sinister 12. It's been the Sinister Six, different members. Yeah. This is great because, I mean, I think I found my villain faction, Chris. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not much of a villain player, but when it comes to Spider-Man villains, they are my favorite of all Marvel content. So I'm much more interested in playing this, me personally, than like Cabal or (laughs) AIM or anything like that. This is my villain faction. And they're also unique and they're also... These guys' stories, as we're going to get to on our show, are so interesting, too. A lot of these characters' Oh, my gosh. And here's what's interesting. We did Venom. I think Venom, of course, will be a spider foe, but I also think Venom will be a double dipper. I think Venom might fit into that Spider-Verse affiliation type thing. I still have a dream that they'll do, I mean, this is a long shot, but do an entire symbiote team. That's my Give me a black suit Spider-Man. Give me Scream. Too much. Carnage. You could do You could do regular Eddie Brock Venom. You could do the Flash Thompson Agent Venom as well. That'd be bad for me, Chris, because I, I probably wouldn't be winning any tournaments because would, people would always know what I'm bringing. Yeah. I would always yep. be bringing symbiotes, as we know. What's funny is we talked about this on the show several times. We've talked about this game. Some people are complaining, saying they feel overwhelmed at the model reschedule. You don't have to buy any of this. You can skip things. I know a lot of people feel compelled they have to buy everything, but you don't have to. I feel compelled to buy everything, and I'm just, I've just had to say, you know. You're at peace with it. I'm at peace with the fact that I will have it month. eventually. Okay, there you go. My, you my, to buy them my life is too crazy right now. Yeah. Because if I buy them, I'm going to feel pressured to paint them and assemble them and yeah. play with them. So right now, I'm, a few I'm, models. I've got what I've got, 
and I might get a couple more things, but eventually yeah. I will have all the models. Right. And there's certain things that are higher on your priority list and things like that. I've talked about that. So for me, say I came into this game late, Chris, I would strongly consider only buying Spider-Verse characters, Spider-Man villains, Spider-Man heroes. And I think in the future, that will be a viable thing. Does that make sense? You can get 10 models within one universe. We've talked about this too on the show. Surely there will be a point in this game where you could literally run 10 X-Men. You could be content with that. That could be your one list. It's interesting to me. You don't have to always have every option. This is also a game where I'm not going to say it's less competitive because the game certainly can be competitive and neck and neck, which is one of our favorite things about it. But you don't need every model and every upgrade to win. A lot of these miniature games like this, you do need all those things and it does feel bad. This game, not the case at all because they balanced everything so well. I'm very excited. And the last thing here, Chris, about Green Goblin, which I'm going to read, which has my interest peaked so much. Highly unpredictable, the Green Goblin will change stats and abilities substantially throughout a game of Marvel Crisis Protocol and is sure to bring a bang. I love that. I'm kind of surprised they didn't introduce something like that with the Hulk, Yeah, where he gradually got stronger. Yeah. Maybe did four cards with smaller... They simulate that with his, you won't like me when I'm angry. No, they did a great job with it. They did better than I would have. Right. But I have been waiting for something like this, where stats are going to change or powers are going to change based on maybe a dice roll based on maybe how much damage he's been taking but there's going to be some factor that's going to change the way the character plays and that is just so exciting yeah there's so much speculation we can do like it's like could be something as crazy as the even rounds of the game green goblin plays like this the odd rounds of the game plays like this who knows i'm very interested in that it does fit his character it fits the madness of norman's brain and you know the green goblin villain himself so i'm very excited The next expansion they announced was the Cosmic Terrain Pack. Now, I know people are usually less excited about terrain packs, but this, to me, might be the most exciting terrain pack thus far because it's something that's not a city board based. We get one vendor shop, one tethered node, one untethered node, two signs, four lights, and eight sci-fi barricades. So it is a cosmic-themed, Chris, pack like the New York Terrain Pack. I think it's great. It says key points, introduces cosmic terrain to Marvel Crisis Protocol, perfect for sci-fi themed battles, thematically works well with upcoming releases such as the Guardians and Thanos, and a perfect pairing with the Cosmic Gaming Mat. Basically, in this too, announce a new mat coming out that's going to be a cosmic themed mat. Isn't that cool? That's cool. I've been less interested in the mats because we've been working on our own boards, but I would be much more interested in a cosmic map. The mat sounds very, very good for me and my North Carolina life. Absolutely. So you could do a cosmic board maybe. When I'm here in Tulsa, the boards and everything (laughs) that we've all been working on are are much fun. But when I'm in North Carolina, it's going to be more the cosmic mat sounds perfect. And as well as this cosmic set, uh, terrain set. That's right. And of course, to go with our Cosmic Terrain set, we have the last announcement, which was the finer points of what has already been spoiled and everyone's been so excited about, Thanos. Oh, that throne. So rad. Oh, gosh. I can't get over it. I've been planning on having a Thanos tattoo for years, but this might be be the hype that's pushing it over the top. That would be amazing, Chris. You should totally do that. He's one of my favorite villains, Thanos and Galactus. Terrifying guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, brings one of the most iconic Marvel villains to Marvel Crisis Protocol in two different game modes. Players can use Thanos in their standard Crisis Protocol games or use the Ultimate Encounter multiplayer expansion content to challenge two of their friends to try and take down a full Infinity Gauntlet-powered Thanos. Includes tons of new game content, including an all-new Ultimate Encounter, Infinity Gauntlet, new Crisis cards, new team tactic cards, as well as all six Infinity Gems. There's certain characters that are coming out right now that can have Infinity Gems. Of course, Star-Lord just came out, and he can have one of the gems, so can Loki. You get those with those characters, Chris, but with Thanos, you're getting all six gems. So it's going to open up list building even more. But this is all exciting news. They really gave us a nice treat with this. I'm more interested to see where all these CPs fit and stuff like that on the list. What's in the gap that we're looking at here? What comes after Strange and Wong, which are right after this Guardians Black Order stuff right now? What comes after that? There's a gap until this stuff. So Isn't it exciting? <laughs> it's very exciting. The possibilities are endless. We could get more things 
for defenders because there's several slots for those there's modern defenders. There's a lot of slots open there. That would be a logical choice, but but maybe Spider Verse stuff. Maybe. Let's just you know hope that they announce the X Men corset. That'll be a Gen Con. Take a drink. Take a drink. I'm hoping to be at Gen Con for that. Yes, for that announcement with a drink in my hand. That's right. I hope so too. You will be representing the show at Gen Con. I'm going to be trying, yes. Which will be excellent. But yeah, it's very exciting. All this is just amazing stuff. None of it is negative to me. Um, The least exciting thing to me, if I really have to pick and choose, Punisher and Taskmaster. And that's just me personally. I'm super excited about Taskmaster, Punisher. Not so much. Their sculpts from the picture look pretty good. It's hard to tell. Certainly anything is better than that Winter Soldier sculpt. Absolutely. So I think this Punisher might be a little bit better. But, you know, you know me. Since I'm not as big of a Punisher fan, maybe I'll do something fun with the hobbying side of it. Something completely different. Give him a little differentness going on because there's already almost too much black in this game. Well, that's just comic books. Man. I know. I know. But you got to make the table interesting. We don't have many super colorful characters right now. So basically, all this news, this is just the beginning, Chris. We're going to get more news throughout the year. We don't even know the entire release schedule for the year, what's coming out. So I'm very excited. Gen Con, more information there. Oh my gosh. I really, really hope to be able to go this year. I really hope you can. But you know, today, we're starting the Asgardians. Oh man. And I'm very excited. It's going to be a a doozy of an episode. Yeah. So you've been warned. Hopefully, you've got a commute or something. And hopefully, we can catch our breath during this because this is not only crucial to set the stage for the Asgardians, Chris, but Thor is just one of the oldest, most important characters in Marvel, especially now that the state of the MCU. He's become such a major player. Oh my gosh. We got to go into Hemsworth has just done such a great job portraying him that it's very similar to the Tony Stark situation. And he just kind of is Thor now. And he wasn't even supposed to be around as long as he was. Hemsworth got better every film. And it's funny as Hemsworth said he was starting to get tired of playing the character by about the time they started filming Ragnarok. And then after Ragnarok, he said he got a reset button. He was well, more that, excited about the characters. That movie was one such, of the best. such a great movie. And Taika, such, man. They finally found his voice. Because, took some time. Because Thor is... He was the butt of some jokes in the earlier films and stuff. Yeah, and he's he is a very serious character, but he has a lot of fun. He He's yeah. a man who enjoys the drink. <laughs> and I think that that is really well portrayed in yeah. Ragnarok. And then right into the Infinity War movies, right after that, like some of the best Thor content we've ever gotten yeah. was in these three films, period. I'm loving it. I'm someone who liked the first Thor movie. Yeah. I know it's not technically a good movie, but I like it. People say that about the first two Thor movies, but they have some really enjoyable stuff. So. Yeah. And the fact that it's only getting better. One of my favorite hero characters, one of my favorites to read in comics just because of who has been writing him for the last forever. Oh, absolutely. Jason Aaron, such an amazing writer. And you should check out his entire Thor run. That's right. It is insane. It is wonderful. We'll get more into that later. Love me some Jason Aaron. So we just got to get into this, Chris, because this is a beast of an episode. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting with a monthly contribution. We'd like to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we have a new patron, Darren C. Thank you for signing up, Darren. Your contribution means so much to us. Darren, you're the man. Thank you again. So thank you, Darren, for your contribution. Guys, if you enjoy the show, this brings value to your life in any way. If you can give us a monthly amount, We really appreciate it. We intentionally chose the monthly option over the per episode option because we knew we're going to be posting a lot of episodes a month and I didn't want to overcharge people or anything like that. Yeah, we don't want to sneaky drain your bank account or anything. No. So just if it brings value to you, you have some little bit of change you can shoot us monthly. We really appreciate that. And all the patrons keep the lights on and make this show free for everyone else. So you guys are the best. And saving the best for last, we would like to thank our producer, Scott H., Thank you, Scott. So, Chris, we're in lore for Thor. We're going to be here for a bit. This is going to be a long session, not only because of Thor's importance in comics, but Thor's importance, once again, in culture. He's one of those long-standing superheroes. Well, and not to mention his importance in this game. He's a beast. He's a beast. He's an affiliation leader, so he's not going away. We've talked about those affiliation leaders staying around. He's also a double dipper. He's also an Avengers. And, you know, this could change in the future too, Chris. Now that we've seen 
this news about the defenders with like them adding current characters onto future rosters that might happen with thor again too so he's not going away and we've got to do him justice today chris and this lore section is justice here we go so let's start off who is thor thor of course is the odin son the god of thunder he's part of the norse pantheon of gods Marvel has used him as their own character, as well as Odin and Loki and, and all these Norse gods. So the Marvel character is not exactly like the Norse mythology. No, but inspired by. Taken from, inspired by, lifted, whatever you want to say. His first appearance is in Journey into Mystery, number 83, cover dated August 1962. He was created by Stan Lee. Scripter Larry Lieber and penciler Jack Kirby. There are those guys again. There are those guys again. In the 60s, we see Thor's father, Odin, deciding his son needs to be taught humility and consequently places Thor into the body and memories of an existing, partially disabled human medical student, Donald Blake. After becoming a doctor, Blake witnesses the arrival of an alien scouting partner while he is on vacation in Norway. Blake flees from the aliens into a cave. After discovering Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, disguised as a walking stick, in striking against a rock, he transforms into the legendary Thunder God. Later, in Thor 159, Blake is revealed to have always been Thor, Odin's enchantment having caused him to forget his history as the Thunder God and believed himself a mortal human. Interesting. So this is back in the days of every superhero has to have a secret identity. They have to be a normal person. Yeah, Clark Kent syndrome clark kent yeah. bruce wayne peter yeah. parker all of them like in the 60s this is a thing yeah okay i like this the the twist on it where he didn't know yeah they've used this donald blake era to have some fun with the thor character like especially you think about ultimate thor in the ultimate universe mm-hmm. he was considered wacko he was considered crazy the donald blake thing it was multiple personalities he was an empowered individual with multiple personalities, Man. you know, and a, and a hippie to boot. But yeah, they've done things to have fun with this since, like over the course of Thor's existence. So Thor defeats the aliens and sharing a double life with his alter ego, treats the ill in a private practice with nurse and eventual love, Jane Foster, and defends humanity from evil. Thor's presence on Earth almost immediately attracts the attention of his adopted brother and enemy, Loki, the trickster god. Loki is responsible for the emergence of three of Thor's principal foes, the Absorbing Man, the Destroyer, and the Wrecker. On one occasion, Loki's tactics were accidentally beneficial to Thor. Although successful in using an illusion of the Hulk to draw Thor into battle, it results in the formations of the superhero team, the Avengers, of which Thor is a founding member. Thor's other early foes include Zarko the Tomorrow Man, the Radioactive Man, the Lava Man, the Cobra, <laughs> Mr. Hyde, the Enchantress, the Executioner, and the Grey Gargoyle. I leave those all in there just so you can hear some of these bygone villains that are no longer used. Did not stand the test of time. They did not. Tomorrow Man's been around uh, before. Radioactive Man's been in and out. You know, very C-list, though. Green Goblin didn't go anywhere. But Grey Gargoyle, I'm sorry, my friend. Grey Gargoyle just didn't make the cut. Uh, I'd like to go back and- I love the alliteration. Read some of these guys and figure out what Grey Gargoyle is all about. Maybe write some spec scripts using him or something just for fun. So after falling in love with Jane Foster, Thor disobeys his father and refuses to return to Asgard, an act for which he is punished on several occasions. Thor's natural affinity for Earth is eventually revealed to be due to the fact that he was the son of the elder goddess Gaia. Although Thor initially regards himself as a superhero like his teammates in the Avengers, Loki's machinations draw Thor into an increasingly epic adventures, such as teaming up with his father Odin and Asgardian ally Baldur against the fire demon Suter and Skag the Storm Giant, defeating the increasingly powerful Absorbing Man and proving his innocence in the trials of the gods. This necessitates an extended leave of absence from the Avengers. To back up a little bit, Chris, Loki essentially creating the Avengers is amazing by accident. Making Isn't it that great? Of course, why they chose Loki for the first film. And then all these interesting true Norse mythology adventures and battles, kind of like Greek mythology, between gods and villains in this Asgardian stories too. It's pretty interesting. 
it's wonderful. It's such an interesting line. But now we found ourselves in the 70s. So That was all in the 60s. That's crazy. Yeah. In the fall of 1972, writers Jerry Conway, Steve Englehart, and Len Wynn crafted a metafictional, unofficial crossover spanning titles from both major comic companies. Each comic featured Conway, Eagleheart, and Wine, as well as Wynn's first wife, Glennis, interacting with Marvel or DC characters at the Rutland Halloween Parade in Rutland, Vermont. Beginning in Amazing Adventures Volume 2, Number 16, the story continued in Justice League of America, Number 103, and concludes in Thor 207. Pretty interesting. So the 70s is going to find Thor doing a lot of the same things as he was in the 60s. Not a ton of character development. He's going on adventures. Things are happening. But uh, I put this in here because I just thought that was really interesting. Absolutely. You don't see Marvel DC crossover as much anymore. No, not at all. They used to happen more frequently, but it's super interesting. So that's going to bring us to the 80s. And a little bit more is going to happen here. Thor eventually confronts the threat of the Celestial Fourth Host. So this is going to be with things like the Eternals and and cosmic space stuff, which is super fun. After an extended series of encounters, learns of the apparent true origin of Asgard and Odin's plans to defend Earth from alien judges. The alien judges being the Celestial Fourth Host. Despite the attempt by Odin to stop the Celestials by occupying the Destroyer armor, now 2,000 feet tall and holding the life essence of every Asgardian, whoa, and wielding the Odin sword, which is aided by the Unimind, an entity composed of the Internals and Thor himself, the aliens depart when presented with an offering by Gaia on behalf of the Sky Mothers, Frigga and Hera, of 12 perfect humans. Thor also learns Gaia was his birth mother. While in exploring an approaching space vessel at the request of Nick Fury, Thor encounters my favorite, absolute favorite member of the Thor universe, Beta Ray Bill, who, after a brief battle, proves himself worthy of lifting Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, which is awesome. Not many people can lift that hammer. No. And Beta Ray Bill... Being uh, just so cool. After initial misunderstandings, Bill forms an alliance with the Asgardian gods and is empowered by Odin to aid Thor and his allies in a war with an approaching army of demons, which is revealed to be led by the fire demon Sortor. We've heard that name before. Now wielding Twilight, the gigantic Sword of Doom. <laughs> After a series of extended battles, including a battle to the death with Fafnir, and thwarting the dark elf Malekith, the gods are finally triumphant, although during combat, Odin and Sortor disappear through a rift and are presumed dead. So interesting to see a lot of these stories and the way they've been transposed into the MCU stuff. Pretty to cool, make it more right? digestible, to make it more compact. Pretty cool. Let's get to the 90s, because this is obviously a major time for Thor. After Thor kills Loki in single combat, whoa, was open with that sentence, Heimdall, standing in for Odin temporarily as ruler of Asgard, that is Idris, banishes Thor from Asgard, and he is replaced by the mortal Eric Masterson, who became the hero Thunderstrike. When Odin awakes, Thor is forgiven in return. During a battle, Thor is driven into a warrior's madness by Valkyrie. After overpowering everyone who attempts to stop his rampage, Thor is brought by the Eternal and Thanos before Odin, who then cures his son of the madness. Look at the sheer power that Thor possesses yeah. when he's not in his right mind and he's just not thinking about anybody else other than his own problem. It took those guys That's right. to get him in front of Odin. Yeah. This whole paragraph sounded like a Dragon Ball Z story arc. Some pretty powerful people trying to stop Thor and it took all of that and then Odin to snap him out of it. Thor, together with the Avengers, the Fantastic Four and other heroes is trapped in an alternate universe after defeating the villain Onslaught. The heroes live alternate lives for a year and is what is revealed to be an artificial creation during returning to their own universe. Thor and several members of the Avengers battle the Destroyer. Thor is saved by an enigmatic being called Marnot, who binds the life force of a mortal called Jake Olsen to the Thunder God. Thor enters into a war with the Dark Gods with Marnot, revealing to be the scammer, one of Odin's ravens, and battles the returning enchanters three. 
pretty wild. We've never had any stories like this, this on the That's show why so far. Thor is so fun. I know. It's it, like a mix of pure mythology, pure comic book stuff, and then you add sci-fi cosmic yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's that now, is what a appeal. mix of those three things. That's the appeal of Thor to me is you're still getting team-ups with Spider-Man. Of course. But he's also battling Malekith. <laughs> yeah. He's also battling ice trolls. And then he's back on Earth. And named swords. Yeah. yeah. A feature of fantasy. It's so great, yeah. man. Naming your weapons. This is going to bring us into the 2000s. Thor faces a prolonged struggle against Thanos where he seeks to remake the universe. When Odin dies in a battle against Sertor, Thor becomes ruler of Asgard. The Thunder God extends his rule to Earth with major repercussions. Thor and the Asgardians slay or imprison those who oppose them including a young religious mutant called Davis. Zarko, the Tomorrow Man, Pericus of the Dark Gods, the U.S. government, and even his fellow Avengers. Thor marries the Enchantress and has a son, Magni, who upon reaching adulthood, doubts his father's judgment. Racked with guilt, Thor is drawn into a battle with his former ally, Tarin, and the Destroyer, occupied by former foe, Disak, and reverses the events of this entire timeline. But that also goes to show the different values Thor has. He's not a mortal. He hasn't been raised in the United States. He is a god. He is semi-eternal. Life is different to him. And when he's in charge, it might not be the best idea. When the timeline is then reset, Loki revives Surtur, who forges new Uru hammers for Loki's Storm giant followers, and then begins Ragnarok. Thor learns that Ragnarok was the result of the self-styled gods to the gods, known as those who sit above in shadow, who feed on the cycle. Thor confronts the Norns, the fates, and severs the tapestry of Asgard's existence. After breaking the Ragnarok cycle and being advised by the Odin force that this was his father's plan, Thor enters into hibernation. With his fate unknown to the Avengers, he is believed to be missing in action. Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, is eventually found on Earth and put under the United States Army protection. When the supervillain, Doctor Doom, escapes from hell, yeah, you heard that right, Mjolnir falls through the dimensional plane and Doom tries unsuccessfully to lift the hammer. Mjolnir then comes into the possession of a man carrying a bag with the initials D.B. The Donald. Donald Blake. Upon touching the hammer, Mjolnir is transported to the void of non-existence in which Thor resides. Blake explains that when Odin originally removed the Blake persona from Thor, Blake was consigned to the void that Thor now inhabits. With Odin's death, Blake was suddenly restored into being in New York City. Blake convinces Thor to wheel Mjolnir once more, return to Earth, and renew the dual identity with Blake. Blake also reveals that Thor's fellow Asgardians still live in the minds and hearts of mortals, and only needed to be found and released. Then Thor decides to rebuild Asgard. And where does he choose? Oklahoma, of course. Of course. Why wouldn't you do it there? Yeah, they're right here. Why not? Over a city called Broxton, and learns that the events that occurred during the 2006-2007 Civil Wars storyline, in which the U.S. government passed the Superhuman Registration Act, requiring all persons with superhuman abilities to register with the government or be subject to imprisonment. The superhero community was split over this law, which led to the conflict between the two sides. Furthermore, Iron Man, who became the de facto leader and public face of the pro-registration forces, hunted and imprisoned their mutual former comrades who had joined the anti-registration side led by Captain America. Iron Man and others also used Thor's DNA to create a clone of him to serve in his campaign, for which Thor is greatly angered. When Iron Man confronts Thor over the latter's bringing Asgard to Oklahoma and tells him that he himself must register with the government, Thor easily dispatches Iron Man. Of course. And tells him that anyone who attempts to approach Asgard uninvited will be dealt with mercilessly. As a compromise to keep the U.S. government from losing face, Iron Man suggests that since Asgard hovers above the ground, it can be regarded as a diplomatic embassy or mission separate from the United States and not bound by the Registration Act. Though Thor accepts this, his and Captain America's animosity toward Stark would persist until the conclusion of the 2010 and 11 Avengers Prime miniseries. Thor searches for his fellow Asgardians and restores each of them, with the exception of Sif, 
who has become trapped in the body of an old woman dying of cancer, her real form stolen by Loki. Thor locates Odin in a limbo between life and death, waging constant battle with Sortur. Odin advises his son that Thor must lead the Asgardians. During the 2008 Secret Invasion storyline, Thor rescues and heals Beta Ray Bill, who after being temporarily given Mjolnir, aids Thor in defending Earth against an invading force of alien scrolls. Due to Loki's deception, Thor battles and kills his grandfather, Bor, and is banished from Asgard. There it is again. With Thor's hammer Mjolnir damaged in that battle, Thor seeks out Doctor Strange, who is only able to repair the hammer by transferring the Odin force from Thor himself into Mjolnir, binding the two in a symbiotic relationship. With the repaired hammer, Thor is able to draw out the imprisoned Sif and return her to her own body, thereby restoring Loki to his male body in the process. So that's going to bring us to the 2010s, which we're going to leave for you to figure out. Because there's a lot. But like I was saying, read Jason Aaron's God of Thunder especially. It's a wonderful miniseries. That's going to catch you up on Thor. But this was a lot of the major, major things in the character's development over the years. Of course, we've missed a lot, too. just don't have time. But now, let's head into Thor and the MCU. That's right, Chris. So once again, heavily featured, one of our most heavily featured characters. His first appearance is in Thor. And of course, this was even pre-Thor. This was hinted at some of the first post-credit scenes in all of Marvel were the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., finding Thor's hammer, which we talked about earlier, but it was the U.S. Army. Once again, he is in Captain America, the first Avenger, as a drawing, so he's not actually in it. But then after that, his second film is actually not Thor 2. It's the Avengers. So this is where Thor really starts becoming his own character. This is where Hemsworth really steps up, we talked about. Once again, this is still Thor in his infancy, right? He still doesn't know fully what's going on on Earth. He's still pretty dry. We talked about that, right? That's the part of his character they were playing out back then. Right. He's kind of like Shakespearean, not so smart guy. He's right. stuck in this different universe. Fish out of water situation. We've seen it many times in storytelling. Thor is no different from that. You know, what's cool about Avengers, Chris, is we get to see his relationship with not only Iron Man and Captain America begin to develop, but we get to see his relationship with Loki. That's where it's really at. Well, Thor and Loki are destined to battle for all of time. Yeah, and they're siblings. Exactly. And they, they really love it. each other while hating each other. They do. It's very interesting. And we're going to get into much more of that in our Loki episode coming soon because their relationship is so important. But it is pivotal that Loki played this part in this movie, not only to set the stage for the rest of the MCU and Thanos' eventual return, but their relationship. So after that, he's mentioned in Iron Man 3. But then, of course, we immediately had Thor 2, The Dark World. This is where he does battle the Dark Elves. This is where the whole movie truly does focus on him and Loki's relationship. And, you know, Loki dies in this film. Dies the first time. <laughs> dies. He does that a lot. Quotes. Dies. There's a lot of things. I mean, he is the he's, trickster. He's tricky. So, so after that, we have Avengers Age of Ultron. We're going to keep talking about it. It's going to keep coming up. Thor plays a pretty major role in this once again, just like any of the other Avengers movies. The Avengers movies are spearheaded by Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. That's just, they're the present leaders. It's, it's the leader and then the most powerful member. That's right. And so, <laughs> the most powerful Avenger. Yeah. So Thor being literally a god, you know, he's going to carry some weight. Yeah. And of course, in Captain America Civil War, him and Hulk being the most powerful Avengers, they're not present. They're not there. They're somewhere else because they couldn't be. It would have been so difficult to write yourself out of that, having those two characters present. So Thor is mentioned in Civil War, but never seen. So his next appearance is Doctor Strange in a mid-credits scene. Not in the film, mid-credits though, setting the stage for more things. Same goes for Spider-Man Homecoming, mentioned. But that leads us, Chris, to the most important Thor movie. Thor one Red of the Rock. best movies in the Marvel catalog. Without a doubt. And that's saying something when you are in this 20-movie range, which is insanity. But absolutely one of the best movies. Taika Waititi, I want to see him do as many Marvel movies as possible. I just want to see him do as many movies as possible. Well, of course. I love him. The man has an unbelievable sense of direction and humor. He has a visual eye, unlike anyone else in the MCU right now. So this movie branches the MCU audience, Chris, into the stuff we were talking about today. 
how Thor starts becoming intertwined with all the cosmic realm. He starts becoming intertwined with people outside of Earth and Asgard. We see a lot of that. Valkyrie is introduced in this movie. It is everything you want in Thor. And also, we actually see him and Hulk start having a relationship, which is a whole other element, which was unexpected and very nice. Now I want to watch the movie again. I might just do that tonight, actually. Yeah, that opening scene. We see the most of Asgard in this movie in the best way. and We see most Thor in this way. Best version of Thor in this way. Then, of course, we have the duo... Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. And this is what made Thor one of my favorite characters overnight, Chris, was these Interesting. Movies. Okay. He was already a guy I really liked. I loved his power set. I'm a huge fan of just mythology in general. Massive Greek mythology fan and big fan of Egyptian and Norse mythology. So I loved that about Thor. I loved his design and everything. But he never was just a favorite character of mine. The MCU made me love him more. And these are the movies that did it because... Thor's always struggled with, is he worthy? Is he worthy of the throne? Is he worthy of his powers? That's been his struggle. And what's interesting is these movies make that come to a head because he does not kill Thanos. Being the strongest Avenger, he has an opportunity to, fails, should have went for the head. Should have. Could have. Could have. He thought he had Thanos. And in him not following through, in his mind, everyone dies. That was going to be inevitable either way because that was what strange saw the way exactly that needed to transpire. It was going to go that way no matter what he did. Ragnarok happens. He almost loses all of Asgard to Hela. He almost loses his people. They barely make it out. He loses his eye. <laughs> he loses his hair. He loses all these things that are his identity that makes him worthy, makes him sit on the throne. And then he loses to Thanos in Infinity War. Now, if you like this theme... Oh, he loses his hammer, too. Excuse me. Well, yeah. And if you like this theme of Thor trying to find who he is without things, without this stuff, you should really, really, really read Jason Aaron's Thor. That's what I like. Especially when Jane Foster becomes Thor. Of course. He loses an arm. He loses Mjolnir. He's, you know, wielding an axe with a fake arm riding around with tooth gnasher and tooth grinder. It's great. Well, it's just like, how do you make a compelling story about one of the strongest superheroes? They lose everything. And, but they realize all along it was just inside them. Exactly. And that's what we see at the end of Ragnarok. Like Thor has the power of thunder in him because he is the God of thunder. It's not Mjolnir bonded with the Odinson is Thor. Thor is a conduit for that. The hammer just helps him get there. He doesn't even need the hammer anymore. And, you know, we have this incredible, one of the most goosebump-inducing scenes in all of Infinity War when him, Rocket, and Groot show up and save the day, save everyone's lives. Oh, I love it. And that makes the fall even harder immediately after that does not kill Thanos. Right. It's so good. This is what leads right into the beginning of Avengers Endgame, where they discover where Thanos is, and this time... Fat Thor. He does it. Well, before the Fat Thor. I just love Fat uh, Thor. Fat Thor is the best thing to happen to this character, but he cuts Thanos' head off because oh, yeah. Thanos is defenseless now, essentially. He destroyed the gauntlet, destroyed the stones. He decided to be defenseless. Yeah. Yeah. He was living that farming life, what he always wanted. Living up on a mountain. You know, Arcadia, baby. Yeah. Thor kills him, which was very unexpected for me. This yeah, early in the that, film. That really intense. took me by surprise as well. And then the rest of the film is Fat Thor we talked about, this bro Thor, the Thor Bowski, we, we've heard all the names thrown well, around. Which is an interesting take to the ultimate Thor that I was talking there we about. Go. He becomes an environmentalist. He becomes kind yes. of a hippie. He doesn't care so much. He, maybe he's crazy. Does he really have these powers? They did a great job of sprinkling that flavor of the character into the movies. Yeah, and then truly showing his depression manifest and, and right. his avoidance of it his living at home playing video games right. eating pizza drinking like beer, me right drinking now beer doing nothing else because <laughs> he couldn't face what happened to him what he lived through how he thought he failed everyone what's great is in this film we get tie back to all the thor films tie back to everything with his father and mother that made him who he was who he is now and who he's going to be in the future and it's super sweet him having a final conversation with his mom before her death in the second Thor movie. He catches her before that, and he gets Mjolnir back because he has a different timeline now. He always had it. He never lost it. You know, He thought he did. And this is great because by the end of the movie, he says, let's do it proper this time. Let's kill him again. And it's him, Cap, and Iron Man, all on the same page, all not doubting themselves. 
stepping up to the plate. And my favorite part about Fat Thor, Chris, was this part at the very at the end. He brings down the thunder. We see the traditional looking Thor with the braided hair and beard. Yeah. Which I'm love that. Super cool. And he's still big. He doesn't oh, even yeah. get ripped immediately or something. He's just now a giant tank. He has the it's, armor, but he's still got the belly. It's and great. He's stepping up to the plate. It doesn't matter that he's overweight. It doesn't matter that he's been through this deep de- depression for years. When Thanos comes back, he's like, he's okay. He's ready to go, man. It. it all led to this. He was worthy the whole time. Yeah. He doesn't even need Mjolnir anymore. Cap starts using it. so Which was cool. It's super cool. Great fan service moment. And the, the whole hammer made out of Groot's body, I just can't. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so finally, we have Spider-Man Far From Home mentioned once again. And then the next Taika movie, Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, I can't wait for it. That's with uh, Jane as Thor, too. <sighs> so good. And we get more of Valkyrie's backstory. We get. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be so good. What's interesting about this, Chris, is I'm not sure how big of a role Thor will play in Love and Thunder. I would venture to even say that Thor will play as big or bigger of a role in Guardians 3. I hope so. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think Thor Love and Thunder is going to be more a Jane Valkyrie type movie. That's fine with me. Oh, absolutely. I'm very excited about it. And give us more Thor. I just trust what they do. Not all the movies have been smashing hits, but none of them have been. I haven't been upset about spending time on any of the Marvel movies. No. So at this point, I'm in for the ride. I'm ready to see where they go with it. I'm excited to see what lanes they decide to take. And here's something really interesting, Chris, about Thor right now, which I think makes me love him even more in the MCU. He's opened up, as in a lot of these Asgardian stories are over. The Thanos major storyline, the phase one storyline's over, phase two storyline's over. But all that, we've lost our two other leaders, Cap and Iron Man. Right. I really think people like Captain Marvel and stuff are going to start stepping into leadership roles. And that's going to branch Thor out in these other side stories where he's going to be more like an Asgardian of the Galaxy. He's yeah. going to be more on these cosmic adventures than being a leader of the Avengers, things like that. And he's still around. Yeah, he's he's always around, but he's never super reliable because he's always got other stuff going on, which is that's another true. fun thing with Thor. Sometimes he's got to go and fight ice giants. But they kind of intended, they talked about intending potentially to be done with Thor around the same time as Cap and Iron Man, but they're like, no, this doesn't make sense. It's like Ragnarok, too the much way, money. The way Ragnarok went and mm-hmm. the love and reception and then his Infinity War storyline and the Endgame storyline being so good, like they were too like- Too much meat on that bone. This is it. He's carrying this first giant phase of Marvel on his back in a lot of ways. As all these new characters come in, all these new characters take bigger roles, he'll still be there, right. but he's going to transition easier into the new- right feature of marvel which he's is the transitional be, champion yeah that's right <laughs> until we build these new stars until captain marvel really becomes a huge uh, she has Black been Panther. so far in storyline you can build them up to being the new mantle bearers you know, right you've got to have your transition champion and that's thor yeah and i just can't wait to see a movie with the chris's inter- interacting the it's whole movie fun. the whole movie those guys they've got um some great banter So I'm going to touch on Thor's powers really quick. Of course, he's the god of thunder. He can summon thunder, various weather elements. He's super strong. Using Molnir, he can fly. He is the strongest of all the Asgardians. He is a god, so his lifespan is spanning millennia. My favorite of his things... That's right. ...are his two goats in his goat chariot. And that's Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder. Love it. His flying, space-faring wild goats. Insane. It's wonderful. Just rides on a chariot uh, drawn by them when he can't fly with Molnir. And the man has an affinity for food and drink. Oh, man. That resounds with me. Well, he's still a Viking, man. He's got a love to drink and eat. So that is pretty great. And he has a really high resistance to physical injury, Chris, which I think is a big feature of him. Yeah. Why he's put up there with Hulk and things like that. They're kind of almost immune to most damage to them. Um, unless some sort of big, big bad. Summoning the elements is super cool. Mjolnir is super cool. Him being trained in the Viking combat Oh man, his whole life. Yeah, he's an, an exceptional hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, that's his powers pretty much. I mean, we could go all day on We these. could go for a long time on those, but we are stretching it as it is. So, Chris, last thing is comic book recommendations, which you've already done several times this, this episode. Yes. So just mention them. One last time for the listeners. Thor, God of Thunder, read that miniseries, and then just 
just let your your infatuation with Jason Aaron and his telling of the stories involving the Thor character take you away. It's only gonna happen once. Cue our transition sound of Mjolnir. Thor, Prince of Asgard. Notice, Chris, his name is Prince of Asgard. This is very exciting to me because I think we're going to get future Thors. I would expect that we get multiple versions of Thor. This is the younger pre-bearded Thor, and I'm very excited to get more versions of Thor. So let's talk about Thor, Prince of Asgard. His alter ego is Thor Odinson. He has a stamina of six, medium move speed, a height of two, and a threat of five. The only other five thus far in the game after Modok. His defenses are as follows. Four physical, four energy, three mystic. Anything stand out to you, Chris? Five threat. Yes. That is... Numbers. A lot, man. And, you know, I think he backs it up. I think he's worthy of that five threat. I think he's worth it. Let's kind of go in and talk about what makes him so worth that five threat. His first ability, of course, is going to be a strike. It is going to be a range two. Strength six, zero cost, physical attack. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you gain throw before damage is dealt. If the target character is size four or less, this character may throw it away small. Four. Well, it's It's amazing. It's thematic. You know, he's got the power to lift planets. I guess he could throw, you know, a Hulk. He can do it. He's the only person that we've seen that has a wild trigger that can throw a size four person like the Hulk. His second attack is a physical attack called Hammer Throw. It is range five. That's the longest range in the game, listeners. It is a strength of five, and it is one power cost. One. That's crazy. After this attack is resolved, the target character gains the shock special condition. So shock is a new condition. Shock. The character that has the shock condition, all of their attacks are reduced by one attack dice. So if they had a six strength attack, it would now be a five strength attack until that is removed. Great. Thor is uh, weakening people's damage output. But Chris, let's talk about this. It's a physical attack that's range five. I love it. Five strength. Fine. It's great. Power one. Great. Shock every time. This is kind of like last episode where Venom just gives the auto bleed. This is an auto shock after the attack is resolved. It doesn't even say like if damage gets through or if you trigger a wild, it's just after the attack happens, they gain shock. Very nice. So let's talk about his third attack for five threat. You're going to get three attacks options, three attack options, not three attacks in one round. (laughs) (laughs) It's God of Thunder and it's going to be an energy attack is going to be AOE range two. A2, which is going to be range two template in a circle around him. Everything inside of that is going to get hit by this strength seven (laughs) attack. Right. So I will preface and say this costs six. It costs a lot of power. So you're going to need to have power to pay for it. But it's a way to finish people off, Chris. You've been teeing people up. Oh, my gosh. Just get him up there. Fly in there. Fly up in there. Because guess what? He has flight. And just... Hit three, three, four people that are all fighting over an objective that are teed up. Yeah, flip them. Oh my gosh, flip them to their sides. Yeah, this is um, our only other instance of the A in the game, other than the Ultron scenario. Ultron has these abilities as well, which is so thematic. I love it, Chris. He's got some hard hitting attacks. So let's talk about Thor's first superpower. It's not a superpower. It is a an affiliation Asgard leadership ability, Prince of Asgard. Before we even get into this. Thor is the leader of the Asgard affiliation. So if you have Thor and you have more than half of your list are Asgardians, you will have this team affiliation. So a new team affiliation, Thor fits there. He's also an Avenger. So he helps Cap reach that Avengers affiliation as well. Let's read this. At the start of your turns, one allied character, that's any allied character on your team, may spend one power. If they do, Remove one damage or one special condition from that character. Each allied character may use this leadership once per round. That's wonderful when you're trying to shake off things like shock, bleed, That's right. stun, all these things. You don't have to use an action to get rid of them. Just one power. They're gone. Both your actions are intact and ready to go. Right. Very nice. 
Yeah, off the cusp here, Chris, obviously Asgardians are benefited from higher threat objectives because Thor's already five to boot. He's five right off the bat. So you can just already presume you're going to want the higher number ones. Yeah. And my first thought seeing Thor's ability was, man, that's insurance for Hulk. I like that. Because if Hulk is ever given the stagger condition, you're just done. We talked about this on the show. He has to double attack. He has to move, get in the fray. If he ever loses actions and doesn't get to do those things, he's in trouble. So it's perfect for Hulk. Perfect for Thor, though, Chris. This guy hits like a truck, and if he's around the whole game through healing or through keeping conditions off himself, he's going to do more damage. He's a beast. And keeping him unencumbered and keeping him healthy will (laughs) do some good things for you. Yeah, and I think this is my current favorite affiliation in the game just because it's nothing too crazy, but it gives you it's very, consistency with your very characters. Very anti-control. Yeah, it gives you consistency with your characters. It's like, I will heal, I will remove conditions. It's not something that's maybe as powerful as the Cabal or the Avengers where you're getting tons of economy. Once again, you're spending economy to do this, but you're potentially spending economy to get one more activation out of a character that you might not have gotten because they're probably going to be flipped. Maybe you can reduce one damage. They might not be flipped. There's all sorts of interesting interactions here, and I'm excited to see more of it shape up in the future. So let's talk about his first activated superpower. It's called Four Asgard, and it's going to cost three. This character immediately makes a move action followed by a strike attack action. If this attack action deals at least one damage, the target character gains the stagger special condition. The superpower can be used only once per turn. And this is an action, Chris. This is an action. Not normal for superpowers. You're getting two for one in this action. You're getting a movement and a strike. Now, you're limited. You're going to have to use strike. That is the zero cost, two range, six with the wild throw. That's right. You have a little bit less flexibility when using this, but you two for the price of one. That's right, Chris. And let's not forget in this game, unless it says you can only do this once per turn, those are the only things that you can only do once per turn. So with this, you could strike somebody, then for Asgard to someone else, strike them. You could, for Asgard, strike somebody and then hammer throw somebody else. You have variabilities still, which is great. It's just, you're right. You do have to follow that condition, but who cares it's the strike because they get a stagger. The best condition in the game. And this leads to more attacks. He might as well have a long movement with That's this right. power. Yeah. If you can pay for this, which you probably can, you're not going to You're getting be You're getting kinded. your medium movement. You're getting two attacks, two actions in the yeah. round. It's very good. It says if it deals at least one damage. So as long as you deal one damage, you're giving them a stagger, which is phenomenal. So thematic, too. You're just hitting them so hard with that hammer. The next superpower is an active superpower called Strongest Avenger. It costs three. Choose an interactive train feature or an enemy character, both size four or less, and within range two, and throw at medium. The superpower can be used only once per turn. This is just one of those throws we have in the game. This is size four or less. The best we've seen. We haven't seen five yet. So four is great. (laughs) Remember, some of these just say character. Some of these just say terrain. This says terrain or character. So options. Throws are fantastic. It's an excellent throw. It's an extra way to do damage without using up an action. Wonderful. That's right, Chris. But let's move on to his next superpower. Tell us about it because I think it is exceptionally cool. And I think you're going to see it on more than just Thor. This is an innate superpower called Asgardian. During the power phase, this character gains one additional power. Every Asgardian has this. Built-in economy Yeah, is basically it. It's not part of their affiliation, which is wonderful because that, that means you'll be able to use this that's exactly whenever what I was you're running Thor as a, an Avenger, or you're running Hela in, outside of Cabal, you know. baby. Well, here's what's great, Chris. The only worry I had of the Prince of Asgard was that it doesn't gain you economy; it costs you economy. Well, now right. all the Asgardians have more economy built in, so exactly. now it's making more sense. Especially if you go mono faction, you can really pay for these superpowers. You can really pay for the Prince of Asgard. Keep your characters healthy. Keep conditions off. I love it. His last superpower is an innate superpower. It's flight. He's another flyer. This is great. Of course he is. I mean, he has to be. You can't complain. Flyers and wall crawlers are exactly what you want because more as the game goes on, we're going to have more terrain, more things to climb over. Right. 
And that's what people want to play on too. They want to play on more terrain. They want they more want the, theme. They want the skyscrapers. They they want crazy amounts of terrain. It feels very comic booky. That's right, Chris. And the last thing I have to mention is something we haven't mentioned yet. On his injured side, nothing changes except his health. It goes up. <laughs> he goes up to eight health on the back. So he's just a tank, man. He has 14 health, which is absurd. He's a problem. He's a problem. He's doing that's, a lot of damage. That's the best way <laughs> I've heard him described is he's a problem. He is a problem, man. If some of you watched the stream, Eric and I, our local friend, were playing, and he was fairly discouraged at a point because I was over 10 points ahead of him. Didn't matter because Thor, in one round, dazed three people. That's crazy. They dropped their objectives. I mean, everything happened because of Thor in this one round. The whole game flipped. The points immediately met up with each other. That's what I love about this game, I was going to say, this is great about this game, is you're never really out of it. If you're still playing, you've still got a chance. Yeah, don't give up. Don't quit early. Don't concede early. Which is one of my problems. I'm looking at Chris as I say this. I know. I I think I see the whole game, how it's worked out by by round one. And I'm I'm ready to either quit or declare victory. Because I've already seen it. It is foretold. (laughs) Oh, man. What a cool character, Chris. One of the most powerful characters in the game we have so far. Due to his threat, it's high. But also due to his kit. He's got some variability. He's got flight. He's got some throwing. He has his charge, his four Asgard. He has stagger. He has throw. He has range five attacks. He has a nice kitchen sick of abilities. He doesn't have everything. But the things he has, like damage, tankiness, throwing things, those are consistent and high. And I think he's, of course, going to be around for a long time because he's Thor. Even if he was bad, he'd be around for a long time. Oh my gosh, he's not, though. He's a Hulk killer, too, by the way. He can kill Hulk. Well, he's Hulk number two. We're going to have to have a whole episode dedicated on how to deal with him, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot stress enough how powerful he is. That doesn't mean he needs to always be in your 10-man roster. That's what's so great about this game. He might not work for your list. He certainly doesn't work for certain objectives. So it's interesting. I think it's great. I love it. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast. Instagram at Fury's Finest and Facebook.com slash Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook Messenger. Continue to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read these on future mailbag episodes. Chris, we've gotten a couple of new reviews lately. I cannot thank these people enough. You're so near and dear to my heart. Something I've put a lot of time into over years is podcasting. So when people give back, even if it's just little free ways people can give back, We've talked about this before. If you can't support the Patreon, if you can follow our social media or write us for reviews, that still helps. It's big, man. It's it's, it's huge. You hear every podcast talk about it. That's because it's a massive deal. Visibility is everything in the internet age. And it's not for fame or fortune or something. It is to get this content out to more people because we put our heart and soul into this content. And we want more people to come to this game, Chris. We want this game to be a smashing success. Right. And we want our podcast to help that in any way, however large or small, we can do. And the more people follow us and give us reviews and things like that, it truly helps our future endeavors because there's more things we want to do with this show. We have lofty goals. You can look at the Patreon. We have goals on there of, you know, when we start reaching certain goals on the Patreon, Chris and I can go drive somewhere out of town and cover a tournament. We can go to things like Gen Con and do press. We can afford this stuff. So all of this helps, and we cannot thank you enough. Thank Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember, like we've been talking about, subscribe, rate, and review. Help spread the word about our show. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my Star Wars show, The Canon Cantina, where we talk weekly about our love of Star Wars. You can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything will surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong.
Thor, son of Odin. Sasa, son of... A bitch, you're still alive. I thought my father killed you, like, half a million years ago. I cannot die. Not until I fulfill my destiny and lay waste to your home. You know, it's funny you should mention that. Because I've been having these terrible dreams of late. Asgard up in flames, falling to ruins, and you, Surtur, are at the center of all of them. Then you have seen Ragnarok, the fall of Asgard, the great prophecy... Now, hang on. Hang on. I'll meet back around shortly. Do I really feel like we were connecting there? Yeah. Okay, so, Ragnarok, tell me about that. Walk me through it. My time has come. When my crown is reunited with the eternal flame, I shall be restored to my full might. I will tower over the mountains and bury my sword deep in Asgard. Hang on. Give it a second. I swear, I'm not even moving. It's just doing this on its own. I'm really sorry. Okay, so, let me get this straight. You're going to put your crown into the eternal flame, and then you'll suddenly grow as big as a house? A mountain! The eternal flame that Odin keeps locked away on Asgard. Odin is not on Asgard. And your absence has left the throne defenseless. Okay, so where is it, this crown? This is my crown. The source of my power! Oh, that's a crown. I thought it was a big eyebrow. It's a crown. Anyway... It sounds like all I have to do to stop Ragnarok is rip that thing off your head. <laughs> but Ragnarok has already begun. You cannot stop it. I am Asgard's doom, and so are you. All will suffer. All will burn. Oh, that's intense. You know, to be honest, seeing you grow really big and set fire to a planet would be quite the spectacle. But it looks like I'm going to have to choose option B, where I bust out of these chains, knock that tiara off your head, and stash it away in Asgard's vault. You cannot stop Ragnarok. Why fight it? Because that's what heroes do. Wait, I'm sorry, I, I didn't time that right. You have made a grave mistake, Odin son. Oh, I make grave mistakes all the time. Everything seems to work out. <laughs> <laughs>